0: I hated the way that the buyers lied to you and the sellers lied to you and you had to lie in the middle to everybody around you to make a business work.
1: You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, hello. It's Bernadette back with another episode of She Renovates. Today I have a guest in Scott Aggett. Now, Scott owns a business called Hello House. And just for some useless trivia, I thought I'd share with you that Scott actually started real estate agency in Surrey Hills that I actually work through now. Of course, he's not there. He's moved on to Greener fields, but I thought that was quite an interesting coincidence. Scott is basically going to be talking about the games agents play. Now, the reason I have invited him onto the podcast is because in order to become savvy in real estate, you've really got to know when you are having the wool pulled over your eyes. Now, for women, particularly, we've got to be twice as on the ball. It is incredibly important to understand the tactics and the manipulation that does actually go on behind the scenes. So I think you will find it fascinating. In fact, this day I was a little bit off my game. However, I have decided that the information in this episode is way too important not to publish, so we're going ahead with it. Before I get into it, we are two and a half weeks to the She Renovates Live Sadly, the borders are not going to be open. So of course, if you have bought a ticket and you're not able to attend, we have an email going out to give you your options and the capacity to be able to organize a refund or downgrade to a streaming ticket, whatever you choose to do. Which means that we've got a few extra tickets that we didn't plan to have. And so what I've decided to do is, if you have bought a ticket, and you would like to bring your friend or family, you can actually buy one of those tickets for half price. And the second thing that I want to offer is that if you've got a streaming ticket, you can actually upgrade it just for the difference between the cost of the streaming ticket and the attendance ticket. I just wanted to clarify what you're getting with those tickets. So, of course, you're getting an amazing day either online via streaming or actually at the event with all the gorgeous catering and so on. You're also getting a gorgeous goodie bag and if you are a streaming um, ticket holder that will be posted to your address so we'll ask you for your address. You're also getting an opportunity to submit your plans to David to get him to work his magic so on that day you will be able to get his, his magic wand waved over your plans and instead of it costing you $400 it will cost you nothing. You will also be receiving access to the recordings of the sessions after the event. So we have a recording team there who are going to, after the event, they will edit those and get those up so that attendees can have access to those. And you will also get to participate in some amazing competitions and there's some great prizes. And one of the prizes is a 12-month subscription to the Wonder Women program. So there are lots of good reasons to attend the event, either online or offline. Those few things I mentioned are at up to about $800 worth. So jump in, not much time left and grab your ticket. Let's get into the episode and bring Scott into the mix. So welcome, Scott, how are you?
0: I'm good, thank you, and you? Awesome,
1: I'm really good. So you're dialling in from sunny Queensland?
0: I am, Okay,
1: so where are you actually?
0: Well, today I'm in Brisbane. I'm actually um, working on a short-term contract in addition to what I do at Hello House. um, I'm selling out a residential project in uh, Woolloongabba in Brisbane. So up here for a certain few hours a day in addition to doing all the negotiation um, services that I do nationwide.
1: Okay. Okay, excellent. So we'll talk about what you do in a minute. But I think that the, the what I really want to talk about is what's on the other side of a negotiation when someone goes to buy a property. So what are the things that we need to know when we're looking at buying a property that you obviously have had insight from the other side, and that's really informed your service. Shall we kick it off there?
0: Yeah, I'm happy to. I think probably the first most important thing to realize is that the agent is employed by the seller and paid by the seller to make sure you pay the highest possible price. And I think a lot of the times when you're dealing with buyers, even when they're uh, obviously when they're green, but also when they're quite experienced buyers, they get emotionally involved in the process. They give away a lot of their um, cards or show their cards to the agent a good agent's recording all that information, um, behind the scenes, everything that you say to them, they're, they're jotting it down. I had an Excel spreadsheet where I'd ask you questions. Um, I'd pre-frame those questions in different ways to get the answer that I want out of you. And I would use that against you in the conversations that I had down the path. So whether it's a week down the path, two weeks down the path, four weeks down the path, I'd refer to my notes in my spreadsheet. And I'd know exactly what you said to me and when, so that I could, press your buttons, but realise how hard I had to press or how soft I had to go so that I didn't blow you out as a potential buyer or I could get you to pay an absolute emotional premium. So you've got to be aware that the first rule is the agent's not on your side. The agent is 100% employed to make you pay the highest amount possible. I think if we start from that point, that's a good point to roll on.
1: Yeah, I'd absolutely agree with that. And that that's not just sort of the way it is. They're actually bound by law. Correct. Yeah, yeah. They have a code of conduct that they have to, you know, abide
0: yeah. by, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, and look, you'll get agents that um, you'll look, there's two things here. You'll get agents that will tell you that um, possibly that a few of their trade secrets and more information than they should do. Um, I would be hesitant to buy or sell through those agents because if they're telling you. Uh, things out of school what are they doing behind your back (laughs) they definitely haven't got the best interest of someone and that someone is the person who's paying them so that's a terrible start to begin with if you're getting some sort of inside track into buying a property cheaply so I would be super wary of that but the one thing that most buyers don't understand is that a good agent can make you feel like you've got all the answers and that you've been given an inside track that's the job of an exceptionally good salesperson they train so hard to make you feel like you've won the process, that you win the negotiation, that you, you're, you, know, you haven't overpaid for it, that it's the right deal for you, that you were possibly the only one that was gonna see it off market, you got the special treatment. But the reality is, a good agent is there to maximize the price. So they're only selling it to you off market, or they're only selling it to you on the quiet because there's not another buyer that's prepared to pay the same price. So maybe there's a few agents that are behind the scenes doing the wrong thing, but um, in general, in, certainly in the areas that I worked, worked in, I felt that, All the good agents wanted to bring the properties to market because it gave them the most most profile, which is their job to build their profile, to get more more listings and earn more money. Um, And it also got the best competition to the property, which which grew the price for the vendor and got the best possible result. So when you live and die in that hardcore sales scene, um, you're really hung out to dry on your results. So good agents will wanna maximize the price every time. So just be cautious of that, that when you're going into it, that you can't give away too many secrets. Um, Keep your cards close to your chest and just remember the whole time that the person that's holding your hand and giving you that great service right now while you're looking to buy in two weeks, four weeks or however many times down the line, they're going to be the person that you've got to go head to head and negotiate against and they train every week or every day to get you to pay the most.
1: It's the sort of thing, well, I think you only get burnt on once.
0: Well, in terms of um, buying a property and and maybe structuring an offer, do you think in terms of how you would go about that if you're doing it yourself? I've yep. a couple of tips in terms of trying to um, find some properties as well that you can do. So a lot of the buyers that I work with, um, and this is something that goes back to what buyers used to do when I was in the industry full-time, is that um, I encourage people to compile a very short email of what they're looking for. They BCC all the leading agents in the area, so that might be 15, 20, 30 agents that they can find their email address easily and quickly every fortnight you send that list to the agents to stay top of mind and that will give you the opportunity to get to properties first. Um, I've heard you say before, and you're you're absolutely correct that um, agents will start to tell buyers as soon as they get the listing, even if it's before, before it goes on the market. So you want to be in that select group and you can typically do that if you stay top of mind. So the first tip for me would be is, um, Be visible with agents, Um, be honest with agents up front, as best you can, in terms of telling them what your budget is. That doesn't mean that you're gonna have to spend that in two weeks time or four weeks time. You can choose what you wanna spend when you control the negotiation, but be honest with them about what you have got to spend so they can find you the right properties that fit your criteria and not waste your time. If they know you're a serious buyer and you're being genuine like that, you'll get great service from good agents. So that'd be the first thing. When you find the property that you want, I always say to clients that uh, I suggest you see it two to three times. So you've seen it um, in different times of the day. Make sure you uh, look at any privacy noise issues that might come at different times of the day and take a friend or um, someone else with you, a professional person, for a second set of eyes, just to make sure you've got all those answers. And when you've done those things and you've convinced yourself it's a property that you want to dig into deeper... I think you need to move through that buying process as quickly as possible. So that's doing your due diligence, whether it's a building and pest inspection, um, maybe you wanna do your own private valuation just to get comfortable around where the price sits. You should be able to do those things in two to three days and that'll put yourself in pole position to try and out outbid any competition and, and get your nose in front, which is important if you're trying to buy the right property.
1: Let's just jump back to that, doing a private valuation. I've always found that a bit of a waste of money, to be honest. Okay. Because I would pay a valuer to for two reasons. It, one or two things would happen. They would come in and say, once I couldn't uh, actually accompany the valuer, this property had been on the market for quite... It's actually the property that I'm we're living in right now. It had been on the market for several months. It wasn't the typical house. And I was really struggling to get them to move. So they had it on the market for 1.5 million for several months. And I bought a buyer's agent, a valuer in. I couldn't be there. The valuation came in at 1.5 million. And I said to him, well, it can't be 1.5 million because that's been the price and it hasn't sold. So, and he said, he said to me, that's what the agent said it was worth.
0: <laughs> I've, well, in 20 years, 25 years in real estate, I've never heard that. So that's, a, that's a, an absolute one-off, I'd, I'd hope. That doesn't happen. But I have the, the opposite experience of that. I tend to find that a, a valuer will downvalue it. Uh, or not downvalue it. That's the wrong terminology. They'll be conservative in their valuation. And I think it does two things for you. One, it lets you jump straight to the person who sees the most property and what the actual prices are being sold for and the most recent sales. You get their expertise instantly, which is better than any agent, any buyer's agent, any negotiator, anyone in the industry. So you get to jump through to their brain straight away, which I think is crucially important to understanding what's happening in the market. And the second thing is it gives you a parameter to work from. If, it, Let's say, for example, that was on at 1.5 and they came in at 1.3. You may have been thinking it was good value at 1.35 or 1.375. But if you know that if you have to borrow against that and debt fund it, and it's only going to get valued at 1.3, Maybe you're overspending by fifty or seventy-five thousand, even though you perceive it to be one hundred and twenty-five, hundred and fifty thousand below the price, and you think that's a good deal. So, I just think it's a it's an insurance policy. It's um, quick, it's cheap, um, yeah. it's in, other than your instance, and I'm sure there's there's some odd ones around there. But in, in my experience, having done this, it's it tends to be um, reasonably accurate, and they come in at a number that everyone's comfortable with. The other key thing that I think is crucial for using a valuer is. If they give you a number in that circumstance 1.3, I as a negotiator, or you as the potential purchaser, if you're gonna handle your own negotiations, can use that if you want to as a tool to negotiate the price down. Because you can say, look, it's been on the market for X amount of months at 1.5, um you may have had other offers whatever the bank's telling us the valuation saying it's at 1.3 um i'm not going to chip you any further than that we were going to start lower than that but i'm willing to give you the 1.3 today to get the job done so you whoever you sell it to higher than that number is going to struggle if they're going to debt fund it to back that up and you're probably going to lose them anyway in the cooling off period so yeah. here's an unconditional offer at that price um and let's do the deal and that i use it as a negotiation tool it's up uh, yeah. my sleeve. Yep.
1: Well, as a sideline, I figured out that this is a big company, and they employ inexperienced, like juniors, doing their valuations. There are valuers and valuers, some that know the area and some that yeah. don't. And I have actually done what you've said, had value a valuer value something. It's um, an
0: interesting take on this at the moment that I've never seen before until this year. On the Gold Coast where I live, there's a um, the leading local agency up here. Um, pays has the vendors pay for a valuation, an independent valuation upfront before they list the property and they give that valuation to all the buyers. So there's a low, medium and high price that, that um, is in line with what the bank will do and they give that to buyers and they use that to condition their vendors to market price and condition their buyers to market price. So then it's just a negotiation down to supply and demand. If there's buyers in the market and there's multiple ones, they can go above or they, the price can go higher than that. But at least it pulls people to where reality is. And I quite like that as well. That's actually a really good idea. Yeah. It's working well for them very well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it
0: takes the distrust out of it in terms of um, on exactly. both sides, on sellers trying to get their price right, because agents go in there and just tell them whatever number they need to hear to win the business, yeah. and then you know in Sydney especially they go in and underquote by a huge amount, and with the vendors' permission, and then you know everyone's just out of whack, and it's a game of trying to beat the vendors down and beat the buyers up.
1: So, what's your view on actually listing the pri- the price? that you list the property with. What I see, a common mistake I see, we're on to you know, talking about selling at the moment, is that you know, as renovators get through their project, they become more and more emotionally attached to the property, and it starts to look better and better to them. By the time they get to talking to the agent, they're thinking it's worth a lot more than what their original feasibility said. Often they've overspent somewhere along the way, and that feeds into it, They list it and their guide is high, and then that just kills the sale.
0: Yeah. the, the, the difficulty is a lot of agents get carried away with emotion as well. They fall in love with the property or they think it's really beautiful and it's wow because it's not what they come across every day because you've got a beautiful state-of-the-art renovation that stands out in that market. Um, they effectively buy the business and then it's just a, yeah, it's, it's a terrible decision for the seller because you end up just stuck, stuck with an agent for three months and, and spend all that money on marketing and potentially styling and, and not get the result. So I, my tip there is, is no matter how certain you are of listing it with a particular agent, um, I would always get three agents to pitch for the business. I still do after 25 years, I still get three agents to pitch for the business. And you, as I just mentioned there, you can use a, a value or just to underpin that as well. You don't have to show that to anyone, but $250, $400 you spend that at least you've got peace of mind that if you're going to go to market, you're not pitching it at the absolute wrong price, but it comes down to su- supply and demand. If you've got a unique, Um, property and it's a brand new renovation like that then there's every hope that it's going to be sold to someone else that pays an emotional premium so Mm -hmm. a valuer may not get it right as well but at least it gives you some sort of benchmark to work from the three agents will give you a cross-section of where the price needs to sit and then you can you know gauge how to sell the property which method of sale and then how to um, pitch the price right in Queensland for example we can't quote price so not so relevant here if you're going to if you're going to have an auction campaign but in Sydney and Melbourne definitely important to have that range set at the right number so you can put a guide in though, can't you? No, in Queensland auction is without a price. Oh, and, only uh, auction though? What about private treaty? Auction and expressions of interest. Private treaty, you can, you can do whatever you want as per usual.
1: Oh, okay. No worries. Yeah, because yeah. I know I sold a place in Queensland in November and we were able to quote a guide. At auction? No, no, no. Okay.
0: Oh, yeah. No, private no. treaty. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's hard actually. It's hard for buyers up here. Um, to, to get a gauge on where the market sits. So, you know, really important to do your homework, do your research, be active in a marketplace, um, get around to see what other people are spending at auctions to understand where those prices sit. But it's meant to be a service to buyers to get rid of that underquoting and that uncertainty uh, and, you know, misleading marketing from agents. But I, I don't know. I, I think it's it's makes the buyers job harder really it does make them do the legwork and groundwork which is good but you need some sort of guidance I think otherwise you're just wasting your own time potentially on a property as well
1: oh I agree and the the other thing is so in well you would know this in New South Wales the minute um they someone puts in an offer and it's higher than the guide well then the guide has to go up yeah so it lets you know really where the market is so I think that's quite a good thing So what other mistakes do do you save potential purchases from?
0: In terms of the negotiation side, I think one of the biggest things that people come to me um, too late is that they get told or get educated in the market that they can't buy prior to auction. Um, So the agent tells them uh, it's got to go to auction. It's got to be sold on the day. And really, unless it's a deceased estate with a very specific clause, um, then it's unlikely that it has to go to auction. The reason it um, is being said to you that it needs to go to auction or it has to is because the agent wants their four weeks in the sun. They want to build their profile in the marketplace. And that leads on to a couple of other things that buyers aren't usually aware of as well. They don't want your offer. So when you're trying to run around in week one or week two and uh, gauge by, you know, throwing the lowball offer like people used to do, the agents will deflect you and keep saying to you, just come along to auction. They're committed to selling. Um, they've, they're going to set a very realistic reserve. It's got to be sold on the day. There's a thousand throwaway one-liners that they use here. But the reality is what they're trying to do is avoid giving the owner any news that's positive in terms of offers coming in. Because exactly what you just said, if they have an offer at a certain level, they've got to keep increasing the guide price, which keeps you know, the bar moving in terms of the competing buyers and it may drop off a couple of people that get freaked out and uh, spooked that the price is going to go beyond their budget. So they want to overprice it to win the listing, give the vendor no good news for four weeks get you all to auction under a pressure cooker auction environment, apply that blowtorch to you under hammer. They do exactly the same thing to the vendor and they try to um, sell it over reserve and then shout to the stars that, you know, they're the agent of choice and they're getting all the good results. So you need to try and take um, control of the negotiation and that's quite difficult to do. It's a honed skill. That's taken me a long time to do it, but I try to buy for my clients as early as possible in that process, but your, your, um, your students need to know or your followers need to know that uh, it can be done. So if you get told to join everyone else, the sheep on auction day, that you should not take that to heart and work out a way to circumnavigate that and ask more questions, get more information out of the vendor um, or the agent selling on behalf of the vendor about what their motivation is, what price they're wanting to accept, what terms you know, are suitable to them and then structure an offer. Um, and use fear of loss to position yourself that you've made a great offer, it's at the right level, but you won't be here tomorrow. And that's the key to it. You've got to put yourself into a position where they feel like they're going to lose you. Otherwise, there's no chance you're going to buy a prior auction unless you're by a hell of a lot of money.
1: Yeah. yeah. So the old I'm going to an auction on Saturday story.
0: Yeah, I mean we just did this religiously we would just turn away you know people that we thought we were going to make reasonable offers because we just wanted to them to all compete against each other on the day and um, again our, our whole focus was getting the best possible price on the day you know we were less about um, you know over and beating down the vendors and I think most good agents are less about that they're, they're, they're genuine about it they're just trying to get the best possible result because they're in the game for their career for long term and they want to get yeah. good results and have a good name in the industry but um yeah the vast majority of auction agents that i've come across and as i said i buy nationally so i deal with all walks of life at every price range and i just get sold the same throwaway lines every single time and then i just know how to you know deflect those and, and circumnavigate around it to ensure that we control the negotiation as best as possible i'll give you an example of how i did that if you want one this yeah workouts. I, I I bought a house for an investor client yesterday, an, an unrenovated house, um, purely as a, as a trick and flick. So that'll it'll be um, tied nicely to what you, you guys do in terms of renovating for profit. So this is a client that's bought off me twice before, once in Darlinghurst and this time in Newcastle. He's um, quite a high profile property valuer. So he knows prices better than I do in the areas that he's looking like he's incredibly well tuned to the, to the market. He had missed out with me twice last Saturday at auction. He got to me too late and I got the the listings. I had no choice. You know, in week three, it's almost impossible to buy the property unless you're going to overpay for it in competition. So I let it run to auction and I bid for them at that, you know, on the auction day, but on auction day, whoever wins is really whoever's got the deepest pockets. That's this, yeah. I, I don't believe there's a huge amount of auction tricks to, to win it. So this third property came up after the first two were sold. Week one of the campaign, he gave me a line in the sand of um, 850000 He would have gone to 880. dollars uh, It had a guide price of 835. So the last two auctions that had sold on the Saturday had eight to ten registered bidders. So really hot in that price range in Newcastle. Um, 835 guide price typically you know what it's like add 10% to it straight away so you've got to be thinking it's got to have a nine in it low nine so I thought 850 to 880 unlikely especially first week but we'll have a go so I spoke to the agent I understood why the sellers were selling and the background behind it and then I wrote them an email a very specific email which I'm happy to share with your um, followers as well um, which positioned uh, the buyer in another property already so I was creating that fear of loss from the very first contact with them so I'm saying to them okay to the agent look we're a long way down the path on another property off market I'm not going to tell you where that property is because they'll just keep asking you questions about it um, we've we're sold on that one. We're absolutely, you know, long way down the track and we're happy to buy it. We've got it at the right price. It's a great deal. However, this one's just come up. Um, I know it's only week one, but uh, our preference would be if we can get it at the right price, price, we'll buy it. So you've got to say, there's the other property. I've got it up my sleeve. Yes, we want yours. And yes, yours is priority. And that's key to it to make you know, make it stand out that it's priority. So the agent doesn't think it's just a waste of time dealing with you. And then you go about building reasons why it's not worth X to you. So I said in this email that, look um, we're prepared to pay 820,000 that's because the renovated properties are selling for x in the area and there's no margin for us to do it so we're just gonna that's that's full freight really in terms of the price that we're going to pay for it and that's where we're comfortable paying and based on the comparable sales for unrenovated homes so I build a little um, reference point for that and I write it in such a way that I know the agent's going to share that with the vendor that's key to it so you're basically doing the job for the agent you do it in their words and that's why being an agent and understanding their role in terms of how they've got to deal with the vendor how they've got to sell it to the vendor yeah um, without losing face is crucial to me buying property below market value so understand the whole you know the whole picture here in the negotiation so then i can go back and, and use that fear of loss to say okay well hang on if you you know she said to me um no, I think we'll go to uh, the open for inspection this Saturday. It's only the first week. We'll see how we go. And I said, okay, well, that's fine. You, you do that. And, it, and it's all very positive and nice in the interaction with them. It's not aggressive at all. But I said, that's okay. You go ahead and do that. But just know that we, we won't be here on Monday. We would have bought the other property because we can't lose that opportunity that we've got in front of them. And that was enough for her to put time pressure on the vendors and to do the deal at the price that we wanted. So I bought that for eight twenty. Um, below the guide price and thirty dollars to $50,000 below the target price of the property value of a client of mine. So, um, you know, that, that's a really good result. That was yesterday. So, uh, you know, there's deals out there like that where if you, if you get the right seller, you pre-frame it the right way that you can get yourself a good deal.
1: Absolutely. Actually, have I told you about our latest purchase?
0: No, not at all. I'd be intrigued. Go for it.
1: Well, I wasn't intending to buy a property. And so, as I've mentioned to you before, I work with Con. He rang up and said, I think you should have a look at this place because it's been on the market for quite a while and they're about to drop the price. It, had been, it was one of those situations where the uh, vendor is unrealistic about... Well, as it turns out, he probably wasn't unrealistic. But so he wanted... This is a studio in Darlinghurst um, opposite or near St Vincent's Hospital, really nice art deco building. He wanted 450. He wanted it listed at 450, and they were advising him not to, but he was insistent that that was what would happen. And then, of course, it didn't sell. So it was a couple of months down the the track, and then he said, "Actually, now it has to go." So he was going. He was going. He had it painted. He had carpet put in it, and he dropped the guide to 400. And we came in and offered 370 and got it.
0: Awesome. There and then.
1: And so, yeah, so I actually often think that the vendors are their own worst enemies.
0: Yeah. And I, I would ask you in that situation is um, forget what the, and this is really crucial for the buyers as well. Yeah. You know, when you're flipping properties, forget what the asking price is or the guide price. Yeah. What's it worth? Exactly. So I, I ask my clients two things. What's it worth? And let's be honest with ourselves about what it's worth. Yeah. Because okay? most people aren't honest with themselves about what, it, what what it's worth. They they just think they can pay their price, which is not relevant to the seller. So, what's it actually worth? And then number two, what do you want to pay? So they're, they're two very different numbers often. And in your case, you know, and I'm not saying you, you didn't get it for a great price, but um, I, would, I would say in that instance, yeah, what was it worth in the first place? Because 75 grand or 80 grand sounds like a great discount from the first instance, but was it only worth 370 in the first place? Well, that's what Or you, know, did you perceive that you got, you know, 10% below market value, which is obviously a great result?
1: I forgot to mention the key piece of the story, the one we bought is the biggest one in the building. When I say biggest, it's 28 square metres, so it's <laughs> tiny. And there have been two recent sales in the building. One of them was the weekend after we purchased that one. Very similar, slightly better condition, but very similar, and went for five fifteen.
0: Wow, that's awesome. How did they get I, it so wrong then, the agent?
1: I have a theory on that, but I'm not going to talk about it because that would be disrespectful to the person <laughs> and I don't really want to do that. But, yeah, so there you go.
0: We so, the diamond I, in the rock, especially in Darlinghurst. That was a good result.
1: It's awesome. I knew it was a good buy, but, yeah, so I'm really thrilled with it. Anyhow, that's that. So let's talk about your service and why you because I think you've pretty much sold sold me on the fact that it's there's the value there and I definitely agree with you knowing how the agents think has to be a massive um, advantage to negotiating with them so tell me why did you do this because it's not like a lot of the buyers agents are charging 20 grand for a basic you know purchase of a basic property So you're not charging anything like that, so why?
0: Because I think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors in that buyer's agency game. Um, And in every industry, there's good operators and bad operators and there's some fantastic buyer's agents. And if you're looking for a full service and in your um, circumstance, when you're buying and selling so often and you need someone constantly watching the market while you're doing other things and you're busy making money elsewhere, then that's a great value add if you've got the right person that you know has got the eye that you need and they're trained specifically for what you're looking for. But that's a very unique Um, buyer's agent. I think you've got to be cautious um, saying it's a, you know, it's a solution that fits everybody because it just, it just doesn't, you know, I deal with so many buyer's agents right across the country. um, And uh, yeah, they're just, they're hit and miss, but some of them are absolutely fantastic. So to go back to your question as to um, why I did this, there's a couple of reasons why one, I was um, incredibly frustrated with the real estate industry. So I'd done it for 20 years. Um, I owned three franchises of Bell property in the Eastern suburbs in Sydney um, I hated the way that the buyers lied to you and the sellers lied to you, and you had to lie in the middle to everybody around you to make a business work. That was the honest truth and it just if it, it didn't sit well with me i just wasn't comfortable with it i did it for a number of years and just didn't enjoy it i tried to be as honest and straightforward to people as possible but at the end of the day that just lost me business i just wasn't doing as well as i could or well as some of my competitors who were willing to bend the truth where they had to to win a listing or to close a deal and rip someone off so that was that was really the key of why i got out of the industry i had this idea to become um, you know a negotiation expert and kind of own that space about maybe eight to ten years ago because i i thought that buyers um sellers have got their representation with agents that are trained and highly skilled but buyers have got no one that looks after them in that situation so they are really lambs to the slaughter they're left on their own accord to try and buy and they're competing against highly skilled individuals and and you know and, and highly emotional at that as well so I thought there's an ability for me to um, build a business that was transparent so that I felt comfortable that I was adding value to the business, Um, helping buyers uh, specifically where they didn't have that help, as I mentioned. And another key thing for me is I dealt with a lot of, this is actually another one of the main points, I dealt with a lot of single women. You know in surrey hills and Potts point specifically so a lot of divorcees a lot of young executives that didn't have um you know a, a male partner or whatever whatever with them and often the case which i found really really bizarre um is that they would send in a male friend or brother or father to negotiate on their behalf so they felt those those single women didn't feel confident enough or comfortable in that negotiation space to do it themselves. And what would happen so often is that the guys would come in and they just do the sledgehammer. You know, oh, here I am. I've been hired. I'm a, you know, gun for hire. I'll come in and I'll smash, smash, smash. I'm not paying your price. Get lost. You're an idiot. I hate agents. And I, I just deal with that nonstop. And I thought there's gotta be a better way than this because. The the guys have got, they've got no more skills and they're just going down that, that bullying path of that. We can win negotiation by just bulldozing you. And what would happen is I just got my backup as an agent. So I would say, okay, well, there's two or three people that want to buy this property. I'm going to get the best possible price. But if you're going to be the one that buys it, I'm going to make it really difficult for you. Then you're going to pay an absolute emotional premium for this property above and beyond what everyone's going to have to, I'm going to keep pushing you until you bust basically. And I just had that, that yeah i just really got my back up about it i just thought the only people that are actually losing that are the women in retrospect and i probably wasn't doing them a good service so when i got out of i thought well that's that's part of the business that i that i'll focus on is trying to help single women in that scenario and that's been a big part of my business so far that that kind of works Um, and the other one was first home buyers i thought they would be uh, key to the success of hello house because they're so green, they don't understand the process and they fall head over heels in love with the property. But um, having done it now for a few years, I realise first home buyers, um, I do get quite a few of them. And uh, over time, I get good results with them because uh, they just don't want to spend what they need to spend up front. So they often lose a few properties before they get there. Um, but the thing I've learned with them is that they, most first home buyers think they can do it themselves. So they haven't been through the pain points yet to understand that they need my service or a service of a buyer's agent or a professional. Um, So I knew that there was space there to do it. Um, And then I just wanted to do something that was different to, you know, there's thousands of buyer's agents out there, as you know, um, but there's no one out there that's just doing negotiation. And I knew that I could add a lot of value there because I had a unique skill set. I was in a lucky position where I had, um, I was my my own selling principal the whole time for my career. So I never stopped listing and selling. But um, I also oversaw a big sales team of which Con who you use was one of our sales agents. So I was over all of their deals, I would be in and out of all their deals and listening to all those phone calls and understanding what those pain points were for buyers and how to overcome those objections. So I've just got a lot of experience thousands of deals that a lot of estate agents don't have and I've bought and sold 26 my own properties. I understand that i guess how it all works and i think i was in a good position to to deliver on that for for buyers and 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 then i just had to come up with a model really in terms of the pricing of how it works so i, I decided to um last year when i set it up i did a no win no fee service which worked great i did 35 deals i think in the first year which was good but the problem with that was every time i saved a certain amount of money The next buyers that came on and I told them how much I was saving, they would just set the bar lower. So my job just got harder and harder. And I got people that weren't serious about buying properties. They just didn't want to pay me a fee and they wanted me to do all the work. So I changed that um, this year and I've got an upfront retainer of $19.95, so just under $2,000. And that's never-ending really until you buy a property. So if you miss a couple of times, I don't charge any more for that. Um, And then I ask you, so when you find the property, I ask you to set me a target price. I work with you on that as well. So we do some research on where we think the property sits. We set a target price that you're comfortable, which is my line in the sand. And then I take a performance fee of 15% of everything I save below that. So if, if for example, you know, it's on at 850 and you want to pay 820 and I buy it for 800, I've saved you 20 grand. I charge 15% of that. So $3,000 plus the upfront retainer. So 1995, wow. so it's just under 5,000 is, is typically where wow. the average fee sits. Wow,
1: yeah. awesome.
0: Yeah, so it's been a good service and hopefully it's a, you know, a good value add for people that have got the ability to find their own property. They don't need the full service of a buyer's agent, but they want someone that is going to give them the absolute peace of mind they paid the lowest possible price. And it also avoids all the confrontation and risk because I do it all for them. Beautiful. I yeah. just
1: wanted to add a little bit, you know when you're talking about um, women sending the man in to do the negotiating. I don't do that, but I do. If I, if Stephen's around, my husband, and I've got a trade coming to quote, I will have him go and talk to him rather than me, because yeah. I know that he will get a much better price first up. I will have to work for that price if it's someone right. I don't work with. So it's just a fact of life that men think women will pay more.
0: Yeah, interesting. Interesting. And possibly, um, I mean, you would know this better, so I can't answer that question, yeah. not being a woman. <laughs> but uh, all I can t- talk about is the experience I had where they didn't feel comfortable um, doing the confrontation yeah. you know, in terms of the well, negotiation. Yeah, that
1: could be true. And, yeah. and the,
0: hard, the hard thing is um, how do you measure someone's uh, skill at negotiating? So sending someone in that you think is going to be better at it for you just because you don't like the confrontation confrontation doesn't mean they're a better negotiator than you might be. So I think people, people, you know, will, run the gauntlet and do it themselves. But the problem with that goes back to what I, what I spoke about initially is a good agent will make you feel like you paid the right price and that there was competition. So, you know, if you paid in that scenario, you, you know, it was on at 850, you wanted to pay 820 and I got you to pay 840 as the agent, you know, I'll tell you that it was a two horse race or a three horse race and went right down to the wire and you just picked the other guy by 500 bucks or whatever it might be. But in reality, you might've, I might've not have had another buyer. Or you were forty thousand dollars above the next best buyer. So people think they can do it themselves. Let me tell you, you unless you're a skilled, trained expert and you do this all the time, you are getting ripped off. Mm. You are paying more, you were paying retail. Right. So and it's in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, not so much Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne, definitely. Um, it's not necessarily how much I can save people money, it's winning the property through competition and giving them peace of mind, they paid the least amount possible. They're the two things. So I don't go in and, and pitch for business by saying to people, hey, I'm gonna save you 20 grand or I'm gonna save you 40 grand. I'm just gonna make sure I win the keys for you and you're gonna pay the least amount you had to, and I'll do that by qualifying the whole time with questions with the agent. So I know who's, you know, how many buyers are there, what the competition is and make sure that you got the right deal. And I think that's, that's worth my fee. You know, especially if you're spending 500 grand, 800 grand, a million bucks, whatever, then, you know, you're getting spades of value out of that personally.
1: Absolutely. And what you're saying is absolutely right. I've actually seen agents, not con, I'll just uh, clarify that, (laughs) uh, negotiating with fictitious buyers in, I've seen that happen. So they've, been talking about buyers on my property that I knew didn't exist. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So yeah. it's everyday current. So they'll, they'll ring you up and say, listen, no, you know, we're expecting an offer to come in this afternoon or tomorrow, and um, it's probably going to be around this, 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 you know, this number. And um, the only way you're going to get this done is to come in and just pick. All you got to do is just pick this number. If you can get to 8:40, I can get it done for you. There's no other buyer. They just want you to close as quickly as possible. So they put time pressure on that you're going to lose that purchase and that you've got to pay X. And you think, oh, God, okay. All right. Well, I know that I can get it. All i have got to do is pay 840. You go in there in an emotional state, you pay 840 and you get the job done. Champagne comes out from the agent. Congratulations. Great job. God, you just won. You know, you just snuck in. There's no one else. It's a ghost town. There's No other buyer on it. So you just got to have, you, know, you got to go into it with your eyes wide open. And, and right from what we said at the top, you, you know, as nasty as this sounds, I don't mean it to sound negative, but agent is not your friend. The agent is, is working the whole time to get you to pay the most amount possible. Well, and if they're not, then, then you've got to question the, the character of the um, agent that you're dealing
1: absolutely. with. And yep. that, that's one thing we train our students to do is to follow bad agents.
0: Yeah. Well, in terms of trying to get a good deal out of them. Yeah. Yep.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that. So no for those that are listening, Scott's details will be in the show notes so that you can if you think this might be something that you might be interested in, then you can actually make contact with him and yeah, experience the service of Hello House.
0: Thank you, thanks for having me today, much appreciated.
1: No worries, Scott, take care. Take care, bye. Okay, so um, I'm sure you would have found that absolutely fascinating. I know I did, and as I mentioned, I did actually learn quite a bit out of Scott's information. Something that I don't necessarily agree with is that, and and I can understand from the point of view of a real estate agent, he obviously is very successful and committed in his role when selling a property, but there are lots of bad agents around, and I know because I've seen it, who will just take one person through and if they think that they can get a sale there and get it off their books, they will do that. So there is definitely an advantage in following the lazy, the, the not very smart, the agents that don't do their best for their clients and just make sure that you never sell through them. And lastly, we had a beautiful review over in iTunes. I figured out who it's from. It's from Nicole McCann. So Apple doesn't tell you, but I figured it out. And the reason I know is because Nicole has just become a Wonder Woman. And what she says is Bernadette is amazing. I love listening to her podcast. She is real, she is honest, and she shares all. Thank you, Bernadette, for being so informative, lovely, and real. I'm a list of for life. My gosh, you're seriously Nicole, you are gorgeous. That was a lovely review and I really appreciate it. And the other thing that I'm really excited about is we're going to be working together and I'm dying for you to get into your projects because I think you're going to be a rock star. Okay, so that's it for today. If you haven't left us a review, I'd love it if you took the time. I read every one of them and I really appreciate it because it lets me know that I'm not talking to myself. So that's it for today and see you next week. This is the She Renovates podcast.